All right, welcome back to the Grizzle Pod. This is episode 34. I'm here with Scott Willis, Tom George. We are Grizzle. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Yeah, very good. Obviously, a uh, bumpity-bump week uh, across the board. We're going to touch on that. Lots to cover on that, so important episode here. Uh, also, we're back from California, sunny California. We were there for the Future Proof Conference. Uh, the, it was incredible, Scott. That was, that was wild. Man, that was, it's, it's the future of wealth management, asset management, investing conferences. Uh, beautiful location, lots to learn. Networking was was off the charts, so uh, they they killed it. Future proof. Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, you know, it was they, they had it in the in the in the framework of a festival, and it, you know, it just and obviously the location, and I, you know, I was talking to people there. It just was everyone was so chill uh, in terms of really you know getting to meet your peers, getting to understand uh, the types of products that are out there. So if you are a wealth manager, if you are um, an asset manager, ETF, whatever, if you are in the in the money space, I would highly recommend going next year. They're they're, they're doing it again. Um, we were fortunate uh, to 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 be a participant in the first year, and wow, man, what 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 a what a what a production that was. It was incredible. Um, now, obviously, we got to thank our sponsors. Uh, our 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 main sponsor here for the for the pod since since we started going was Y Charts. I uh, can't thank them enough, Scott. I, we use them in a plethora of different ways. Yeah, so you guys hear us. We talk about you know equities mainly with Y Charts, but these guys are no slouch when it comes to bonds and economic economic data. We're going to talk more about the economy today and bonds. So I, I would definitely check them out as well if you're if you're a bond guy or if you just want to you know keep up on what's going on in the economy, all the important data. Y Charts is still our go-to with with all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and the other part too is that you know they're they're great for if you're covering ETFs, you're covering funds, etc., and putting it all all together and. Uh, you know, basically, they've they've got great portfolio functionality there too. So if you haven't used a, um, uh, they 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 have a trial, give it a try. Give, give it a trial. So you'll see 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 what you're missing in terms of uh, whatever you're using right now. That's Y charts our go to. Uh, and then finally, uh, the GRZZ ETF. That's growth and innovation at a reasonable price. Um, it, obviously, it's what we've been preaching. Uh, it's you know it's our go to. We think listen. We are in a world of things moving quickly, fast. You have to put a value, valuation lens on on that. No matter what, uh, this year obviously, Scott has been a uh, it's been a year that's that showed that that actually is very important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, growth is a theme that's not going away, right? You got to have growth, but this year has shown that you always need to keep valuation in mind. You can't ignore it. Exactly, and, and also don't be so myopic about what growth is, right? I think p- people are very focused on this almost like, I want to even say it was like a fictional-esque uh, science fi- sci-fi novel. The more right? sci-fi, the higher valuation it got at a period in time, 2020, yeah. 2021. Exactly, and, and you know, w- you know, while we look at all this, we're just like, listen, you know, there's significant growth in other verticals that aren't, you know, that wouldn't be you know, fitting into a sci-fi novel, but clearly are very important, like electric metals, like natural gas, uh, you know, all of these sorts of things matter just as much, if not more, in the sense that you don't you can't you can't create these fancy things without it. Also, people forget sci-fi sometimes is risky, right? You think of the movie <laughs> Interstellar. They're trying to like do all this crazy stuff. That was some risky stuff, right? So sci-fi isn't always like a lot of upside. Sometimes there's a lot of risk that comes with it too. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. And and uh, the biggest risk, Scott, is cash flow <laughs> or lack thereof, right? And, yeah, uh, you're trying to build something crazy, but you'll never get there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was a big, uh, you know, for us too, right? You know, there we understand that obviously 
companies that are growing quickly, it may not be reflected in the next one or two years of, you know, forecasted um, cash flow growth. And we get that right. You know, if you were looking at that, you would have missed the Googles. Um, you would have missed the, you know, the biggest growth stories, the Amazons. Um, so how do you compensate for that? Well, it's not to look in a time period that's greater than 10 years, you know, like that's, that, that's an abyss, right? But there's a sweet spot and we think that sweet spot's in the four to six year period. Yes, exactly. Uh, so Scott, you want to hit him with the agenda? We, we, yeah, we got, we got a, we, we got a jam packed, uh, jam packed, uh, schedule today. Yeah. So, it, you know, we had some people asking us just to, to talk about the market sell off, what's going on in the market. So we're going to do a quick review, kind of break down what we're seeing, why we think this is all happening. And then we're going to go into bonds. So uh, it's not been a good year for bonds, to say the least. We're going to dig more into what's going on there and why we think it, bonds have kind of left people. Um, people usually in a market like this rely on bonds and bonds have let them down. And then lastly, uh, we're going to be talking about growth stocks and the pummeling they've taken and just our thoughts on you know the tech industry, SPACs, cannabis, psychedelics, what's going on there, what, what you should think about going forward. Yeah, so you, you know, that's an important. Obviously, uh, many of the, many of the people who listen to our pod obviously are, are interested in growth, and you know, we've been following it. Market market environments change clearly, right? And, and uh, we're, I think this is going to be an important episode to think through your own portfolio of of um, uh, you know of growth stocks that you own if you do own them. Um, but it, it really, just you know how how you want to parse them apart, right? And I think the important conversations around how you how you look at that. But uh, it's um, and we're we're about to release a um, a, sh uh, a short white paper about this specifically. Uh, you know, we're, we, there's a couple coming out, Scott. Actually, we, we're 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 prolific, Scott. We got a we got a month of writing ahead of us, so we we got the quarterly yeah. we got the quarterly letter that's uh, literally like once once the once the puck drops, so if you will, right? You once the yeah September. 30th, uh, you know, comes around, you know, that, that we'll, we'll be, um, we'll be writing that quickly. And then, uh, we're going to, we have a couple white papers to drop in, in, in next month as well. So stay tuned. Um, and also Scott forgot to mention, man, we got two conferences coming up next month. We'll talk about that, but wow, man. Um, we're so grizzle, um, uranium one-on-one -on -one conference is coming. Uh, that is October 18th and, uh, the grizzle, Battery Metals one-on-one -on -one conference, October 20th. Stay tuned for more details on that, but uh, big, big drop there. That'll be fun. I, I'm excited because if anyone watched some of our last conferences, you know uh, how much insights you're getting and most importantly for us, how much fun it is. Yeah. So we're, we're excited. We took a little break, but we're excited to bring it back next month. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, it's it's uh, our goal is to our goal is to try to keep this uh, keep the conference because uh, I you know the feedback has been tremendous. Uh, thank you everyone for, for participating. But we learn you know it's you just learn a ton, right? And so our, our goal is you know try to try to have one uh, one or two great conferences per month. Um, and uh, you know we ideas that we have in the hopper are an ETF conference. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we're, we're putting that together um, and, you know, and, and, and more sectors to come. So exciting stuff, Scott. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that's, that's a bit of the calendar for, for October, but uh, Scott, let's touch on this market sell-off, man. Oof, I, I, I have to be frank here, right? The um, Twitter is great, man. I, I'll, I'll tell you the reason why Twitter is fantastic. It's one of the greatest, um, it, whatever the sentiment in Twitter is, you always want to fade it. 
it's one of the greatest contra indicators, right? Because um, you, there's no other place that you get a better barometer of people's emotions, and generally in the market, um, those that have been rewarded are, you know, are, you're going, uh, you know, you're going contra the sentiment to whatever you know the prevailing feeling is. Scott, there was that great graph. Um, uh, it was basically the highest amount of put uh, buying, individual put buying by retail ever. Oh, it, recently, you're saying that was Friday. Okay, so oh, wow. uh, I'll have to. Uh, so, guys, I'll. I'll um, uh, the chart was phenomenal, um, and I was tweeting about that yesterday. And basically, it was the highest. So, what was just to break down what that means is retail guys are buying puts at a record amount ever in the history. Uh, you know, so this is small volume puts. Scott, is that a bullish? <laughs> from from a perspective of um, when retail's doing that kind of stuff. You have to think um, from a from a bigger picture perspective. I'm not saying next week or two, but typically these sorts of kind of euphoria moments in terms of not euphoria, uh, these sorts of um, uh, you know, sky is falling. I need to buy protection at any. Yeah, the cost. opposite of euphoria, fear. There's some fear. fear creeping in when you see a lot of put buying. Yeah, exactly. Euphoria to buy puts, which is actually fear. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that, was, yeah. that was my full sentence. The there. definition of fear: euphoria, <laughs> uh, put buying. <laughs> Yeah, and and I was joking around that I was, uh, you know, uh, so somebody posted this in um, uh, uh, Twitter account, and I, I was laughing. And he he said, you know, um, he was like, I don't think people understand. It's the exact opposite of, of what they're thinking. I mean, exactly. I said, you know, there's a lot of uh, th there are a ton of um, what you call paid Discord rooms or uh, paid um, trading rooms. This sort of thing, Scott. Um, as you can imagine, right, people who are paying uh, monthly for a service and losing money is not a great proposition, as you can imagine, right? No, uh, and, no. and typically, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these things are super sketchy, uh, and most of what they were they're pumping typically tend to be small, small, illiquid, uh, micro cap stocks. You can imagine what they're doing. Uh, you know, they're just pushing the float and pumping, and you know, you know, and creating quote unquote winners uh, when you know it's just a select few that get that. But bottom line is, even that is broken, right? So uh, you know, all of that, all of that stuff is broken for these guys. So what they've they've gone to doing is punting around in buying puts, Scott. There, so that's so now. Whenever I'm, I follow this quite closely in terms of like you know of many of these kind of um, many of these like this. This is kind of subscription subscriber sentiment, is what you're talking oh, about. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. And so these guys, obviously, in a bear market, they're struggling. They have to keep their subscribers. So what do they do, Scott? They move to to uh, punting around in inputs and say, oh, I bought this put. Uh, and now that's up 200%. And then they do a screenshot of that. And people are like, oh, I'd like to make 200%. Yeah, man. Puts puts are uh, risky, obviously, because there's unlike with a stock, you know, a stock has to go to zero. Um, but with a, a an option, if the stock sometimes just doesn't go anywhere, you lose everything in an option. Yep, yep. So, so, uh, we, so we've, it, we've done a bunch of options classes in the past. but uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, that, that I thought was an interesting... A sentiment indicator. I retweeted that, but uh, just interesting, uh, interesting perspective there. Obviously, it was a tough week, man. Uh, Scott, you want to just kind of give an overview on uh, uh, the Fed decision and obviously the it, it, what it was the conversation thereafter that that, that put spooked the market, right? Yeah. So leading up to, uh, I think it was it was uh, two weeks ago. 
the market had been rallying for uh, more than a month because they were thinking, okay, you know, we see commodity prices are falling. That's a big part of inflation. So the inflation reading should cool off. And the Federal Reserve has been watching inflation like a hawk. So if you get cooling inflation, maybe they don't have to raise rates as much to fight it. But then we got a big negative surprise where inflation picked up a bit in the core number, which doesn't even include energy. So that reading you saw, the market was down a lot that day. Everyone was recalibrating their expectations. Then from there, the market has, has been pretty ugly because you coupled an inflation reading where inflation's not coming down as fast as people were hoping. And then the Federal Reserve chairman gave basically the most hawkish um, press conference he could have given, where he just said, inflation is the most important thing to us. We really want to just do whatever we can to get it to 2%. We don't care about anything else. We don't care about your stocks. We don't care about your bonds. We don't necessarily care about employment yet because everyone is pretty well employed. So we're just going to raise rates, get inflation down. The market had been thinking they weren't going to say things like that in the past two months. So expectations had to totally flip. And that's why you've seen kind of stocks and bonds have had to uh, readjust. Uh, yeah, you know, just you know, just how hawkish the Fed is talking, and you know, rem uh, reminiscent. I, you know, obviously, all these central bankers are are reading off the same hymn book, if you will, right? Uh, the same same thing went for uh, the Bank of Canada, right? All of these guys um, are are talking incredibly hawkish, uh, you know. And and you know, the the funny thing here, Scott, is is uh, everyone the everyone knew they kept the accelerator on for too long, right? That the the there was no reason to have rates as low for as long after the pandemic, um, and now uh, and now 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 it all comes to roost. Incredible. Yeah, now you got to overcompensate, and you know all all the big money guys like at, at Future Proof. There was the bond king Jeff Gunlack was speaking. He's one of the best performing bond managers you know in our lifetimes, and he's thinking the Fed may end up raising rates more than uh, they really need to, causing some pain. But at the same point, you know, if we get pain in the market, that's what everyone was looking for. You get this these periods this year so far. It's happened two or three times. The market sells off and everyone thinks, okay, well, now the market's selling off. The Fed may say, okay, I've done my job. Now inflation's going to come down and the rates aren't going to go up anymore. Then we get another hot inflation reading. The Fed yeah. says, no, we're still committed to fighting inflation. Expectations readjust. So we've had that ongoing push pull a few times and we had it again just the last two weeks yeah exactly and, and uh you know for all I, I made this point yesterday i'll kind of repeat it right so i feel that uh main street right now scott I, I truly feel is detached from uh you know the tsunami that's at their front door so to speak right and that i think is really around uh you know what mortgage uh you, what's going to happen around uh, home ownership etc right um the stock market Conversely, Scott has internalized much of that damage, right? Yeah, uh, the stock market is is very forward looking, and so yeah. they're yeah they they they're starting to bake in a lot of this bad news and and a hawkish Fed and all that. Yeah, exactly. I you know I, one of the things that keep that keeps coming out is that you know people are like you know it's a, this you know this is a weird recession. You know, think, places are, malls are busy, Scott. You know, places are busy, right? It's it, right. <laughs> people are buying cars still. Yeah, exactly. And, and only those uh, following the market very closely are like, you know, the only people that I know that are like, you know, uh, batting down the hatches heavily, et cetera, you know, on the home front 
are people that are very close to the equity market. Right? Yeah, yeah. And as long as the consumer is is employed and happy, that gives the Federal Reserve more latitude to raise yeah. rates. Because if you guys don't know, there's only two things the Federal Reserve has a mandate to care about. It's that people have jobs and that inflation is low. Other yeah. than that, they could care less about anything else. Yeah, and and uh, you know, so it's so from our perspective, you know, we think a lot of the pain, uh, especially on the equity side, has been born. I, you know, there's some uh, there's some great like, there were some great tables going on that you know in terms of like the 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 price depreciation. And I'm not talking about speculative assets, but I'm talking about uh, real you know real real big companies. Like this was like four days of Scott, and it's it let's update even this. So Amazon's down thirty percent, Microsoft's down thirty percent, Adobe's down fifty percent. These are big cash flowing juggernauts, Scott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there already has been a significant sell-off in those high-quality tech names. And you may think of tech as like the tech bubble, but we're in a different economy now where these big tech companies are kind of like the GEs of the economy now. People understand that. So they're not going to go down. You can't look at, at 2002 and say, oh, man, Amazon went down 80%. This is, this is going to happen again. Amazon is a far different company different cash flow profile, much better, uh, you know, they're, they're a juggernaut in the space. So it, it seems like these are the places that, that you're going to, uh, you, you need to hunker down in because these companies just are going to weather the storm for sure. Exactly. And, and, you know, the, so there, you know, that you have that aspect of your portfolio that, you know, you can get overweight in, right. Abs- absolutely. Right. And, you know, that, you know, that, that ends up being a, a very interesting place. Now, Scott, um, What's what's more interesting, obviously, everyone expects, uh, you know, we're equity growth investors like, you know, if you don't come to, you know, if you don't if you don't walk with a, with an umbrella, you're, you're crazy. Right. You know what I mean? But what people bond investors, it's a different story altogether. This is really the story of this year, Scott. Actually, you know, as much as damage as uh, has been, you know, you know, as much um, as much as the stock market has been down this year. What's more interesting is how awful the bond market has been. And that is the story of 2022. Yeah. And that's that's tough because bonds are a massive market and a lot of people close to retiring age and with with significant net worths, they have a lot of bonds because you get that yield. And it's expected that bonds won't go down as much as stocks in a market like this. And so this year, it didn't work like that. Bonds have really had a tough time. And so there's been nowhere to hide. Tom, maybe you want to tell people about the 60-40 portfolio. What is that? I mean, we've, oh, yeah, we've mentioned it a few times. Yeah. So, you know, eight, like, so the typical thing, you know, if you're, um, the 60-40 portfolio is a classic, listen, um, you know, balanced portfolio to say, listen, uh, bon- uh, you know, through time, um, what you want is some growth. That The equities will give you that. That's the 60% component. S&P 500 is a good proxy for that. And then uh, you want bonds, right? But, you know, bonds, you'll, you'll get a yield. It's not as volatile as equities. Uh, and, uh, you know, they provide protection, uh, typically inversely correlated with equity. So when equities go down, bonds go up and, you know, you, you get some cushioning there. And, and Bonds and- are thought of as the safety area. So, you know, markets, when they're scared about stocks, they move their money into Treasury bonds in particular, which is backed by the government, and then bonds in general. 
So, you know, that's the cushion in the portfolio usually is how it works. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it's some interesting data, obviously, uh, you know, we, you know, we've come across and, and Margo, uh, Margo Rubin are, uh, you know, are uh, uh, fantastic uh, multimedia analyst. Uh, it, uh, she does it all. Uh, but the key thing is breaking down big ideas into into consumable uh very uh, engaging videos. She 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 dropped a great one last week. She actually did two last week. Um, but yeah, if if you don't follow her, guys, please do. Margot Rubin on Twitter. Margot underscore Rubin on Twitter. And I, you know, she's on LinkedIn. All these places. It's all it, all her good materials coming out there. Um, but um, what's what's interesting here, Scott? Year to date here, uh, the sixty four forty portfolio is down nineteen percent. So that's damage, man. So let let me put that into perspective, right? So even during the great financial crisis, God, if great financial crisis, that sounds like everything should suck. The sixty forty portfolio was down thirteen point nine percent then. So we're down even worse than during the great like. So there's been more financial destruction for Main Street. Uh, your average investor uh, that's invested now than you know ever before um uh, in the in the market um at, in fact worse than the 70s scott so people are like well it's inflation you know well and we're going to talk a little more about that but um you know the 70s the 6040 was down 14.7% in 1974 and 7% in 1973 you'd have to go all the way back to 1937, the 30s, Scott, uh, where you start to see the similar sorts of uh, levels of uh, destruction for a 60-40 uh, portfolio. So 1937, it was down 21%. And, and that may be confusing to some people because if you look at the 70s, inflation was a lot higher than it is now. So you'd be like, all right, well, what's the deal here? Like, how are bonds doing worse now than they were then? And, and so we, and we Scott, think we have the answer. Yeah, and Scott, we should talk. So I gave you the numbers for the 60-40 portfolio, but I think it's worth talking about. So bonds this year, so this is the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond. is uh, The Treasury bond is down 16% this year. It is the worst year. It, uh, obviously, we haven't uh, closed out 2022. Who knows what can happen? But 2022 is shaping up to be the worst year in bonds ever. Yeah, so in the 70s, which we like to look at 73 and 74, because that's kind of when interest rates and inflation started to pick up and the and the government started to fight it. What's funny there is if you look at bond the 10-year bond then, it was actually up in both years. So those those bad returns then came from the stock market. And we're seeing that again, the stock market is down. But there's certain factors happening where bonds have just gotten pummeled this year, unlike in the 70s. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, and do, do you want to break that down? And this is really like you know um, something that we've talked about uh, throughout the pod. And obviously, you know, Grizzles, uh, uh, you know, we're we're coming up on our five year, which is very exciting. And and you know, one of the things is we've never advocated owning a bond ever. <laughs> no, I, I often tweet the word bond with like skeleton emoji after it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, even though I, you know, in, in my past professional life, I was a bond investor. But I just you don't want to own them now because what, what what's been happening the last few years is you know yields along with the the Fed has been lowering rates because of uh, COVID and, and other reasons, and so the yield you get on that bond, what you're being paid, has been falling. So you're not getting that much, and rates are were you know going basically to zero if you're looking at short-term rates. So where else can they go when they're at zero? They can't go below zero. They really the risk is that they go up. 
and you're getting paid so little. So there's an interesting esoteric nature of bonds that I'll explain really simply for you guys. When, when the yield on a bond is really low and rates go up, the bond is more sensitive. The price of it is more sensitive to falling. So that's a risk that when that people weren't thinking about in this market, but it was a perfect setup. Rates are really low. Your yield's really low. Then we got the perfect you know, negative double whammy of inflation's picking up. The Fed has to raise rates from zero and fast. Those are the two things you don't want. And that's why bonds have been so sensitive and fallen so far. Yeah. So, you know, the parallel here is, well, people are like, well, listen, guys, the inflation was way worse in the 70s. But the push, the other side of that is rates were higher in the 70s to begin with before yeah. we entered that period of inflation. So the, the, the challenge here is this is a um, this is the consequence of ultra low, easy monetary policy. You know, the uh, unconventional monetary policy that uh, the Fed, uh, all global central banks uh, in developed regions, you know, has have enacted. Right. Um you know, we've so Scott. An interesting development this week um, was we the gilts. Uh, I don't know if you saw that like news. Basically, the gilts fell mo the most on record. Those those uh, are the UK government bonds, right? Exactly the five year gilt. And yeah, sorry, it's the gilt is the UK the UK government bond. And this was on the back of uh, the <laughs> the government announcing. Now, this is when the bad feedback loop uh, happens, right? This was on the back of the government announcing that they're going to do a $73 billion plus, um, I forget, in that ballpark, $70 plus billion, uh, uh, you know, a tax, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically a tax cut, right? And so, and, and, uh, was that related to like what's going on with energy prices? Yeah. They just kind of wanted to give people a handout to help with that. Yeah, exactly. And then the bond market is like, the hell with that, right? So, yeah. So, government bonds hate that because who's, who's paying for it? The government. Yeah. And so, that's, that, that means more money printing, more inflation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so, um, yeah. So, so the, 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 um, what do they call it? The bond, Scott, the bond vigilantes are back, homie. Back. Yeah, it's scary. You don't it, like bond vigilantes because the bond market is so big that it can break things in the economy. Yeah, so you know the the bond vigilantes are are uh, you know have clearly taken um, and so so the real question obviously you know we're giving an overview here. So uh, do we get bullish on bonds? Um, the answer is no. And again, you know all things equal here, right? Like bonds are down twenty percent. Uh, I'm just going to pull it up right now. So bonds are down 20% this year, Scott. Let me just kind of give, um, give it, give, give it relative basis here. That's like a big safe asset class, Scott. You know what the S and P 500 is down? 22.5. Wow. So even though bonds have gone down less, which they typically do, that's not a great outcome for you because uh, you know you had that low yield, and obviously in a bull market, stocks are going to return better generally than bonds. So that's the put and take of the bond portfolio and uh it has not done what it's supposed to this year no all things equal and and the reality is when the mark you know as and when we get to the pivot point do you want to own bonds or do you want to own equities you want to own equities yeah that's the thing the upside is greater once we get the pivot so you know we're talking about now but looking forward you probably still would want to be a little uh cautious on bonds because you have a federal reserve that's saying 
we need to raise rates more. We need to fight inflation. Remember, rising rates mean the price of a bond goes down. Well, yeah, exactly. There, there could be more pain, even you know, though it's already been a bad year. Well, it's it's fascinating, right? And and you know, and those you know, obviously, it's it's uh, it's it's a very fascinating time, right? Where even like a growth strategy like GRZZ, as long as you had a valuation lens, GRZZ is down seventeen percent year to date. We're outperforming bonds. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? Right, that, that shouldn't happen. So we're down, you know. So GRZ, like having a valuation lens, you know, so that you think about this is like, wow, okay, right. So, um, and the Nasdaq is down thirty percent, uh, and Arc is down sixty percent year to date. Yeah, and and the beauty of being in growth stocks is, you know, when the market eventually turns and comes back, you're going to far outperform bonds. So GRZZ is outperforming bonds on the downside. It's it's you know it's hard to underperform bonds on the upside when well, you have a, a rebound in markets. Well, Scott, let, let, let me let me paint this picture, right? So if you're uh, obviously you know um, again, I, I use Twitter uh, I use Twitter as, as a great negative sentiment in, indicator. It's, 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 sorry, contra, Scott. I think that's the right word for it. I look at, at Twitter. So when Twitter gets super bearish, you know. Um, the punters there buying lots of puts, you know, all of this for me feels like, okay, listen, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, you know, pick the bottom or whatever, but irrespective, I want to make sure I'm owning more risk asset classes than less. I'm not, I, it's not the time to be buying protection and bonds are a form of protection, right? This idea that, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's some safety here. So two headwinds, inflation, Scott. So, you know, that's going to, that's going to, if that continues to be a head, headwind there, bonds aren't going to really hang in. And then let's just say, let, let me just, you know, let me just paint a picture where, okay, bonds just find a place. Uh, okay. So the, the, what you're not going to get is bond yields coming back to like, you know, you're not going to get the 10 year grinding back to where it once was. So let's just say bond yields stay where they are right now, like inflation levelized, but you know, you kind of have to, you know, there's risk in the market and this feels like the right place for, you know, for an investor where in terms of the right yield for bond investors. But once you start to get that stabilization, well, that's when the equities start to come back. We just need stabilization. Uh, that doesn't mean that bond prices come back. That may mean they just stay flat. So if bond prices and yields were to stay flat from here, Scott, I would say that is very bullish for equities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and that's the double whammy that you get by owning equities here. Right. Because um, as we see it right now, bonds are just as risky as equities right now. They are. Yeah. This, all the fundamentals that are negative for a bond investor are playing out continually here. So, yeah, you got to be very careful with bonds. Yes. Um, so, yes, ho guys, hopefully that, that breaks all that down. But, uh, you know, it's a critical um, – I know a lot of people just kind of um, – a big part of uh, wealth wealth – the wealth management kind of machine. Uh, we, you know, we just came back from Future Proof. But, you know, many people um, are not getting that bespoke um, – you know, they, most – most people are being put into the sausage grinder of wealth management, Scott. And what that means is you're getting the 60-40 portfolio with, uh, with you know, it basically, uh, you know, their their goal is to kind of get you into like the most common product and make you feel kind of okay as opposed to really 
thinking outside of the box and saying, where are the real risks here? Yeah. And and does the current market look like the last 40 years when we've been recommending a 60-40 portfolio? That's the reason we mentioned 60-40 is if you go and work with an investment advisor, there's a greater than 50% chance, probably a lot higher, that they'll mention that type of portfolio and potentially recommend it to you because it's just been gospel in the investing land for so long. But we think the way the market has changed in the last 10 years, you can't just keep using that portfolio. No, you got you got to think way more dynamic, and you know there's a lot of different ways to think about yield. Um, it, it's just just if you are looking for a yield, uh, you know the typical sixty forty. Sorry, uh, if you're looking for a yield component and you're thinking bonds in your in your in your mix, it just uh, it's just you got you must you must reassess. Um, now, Scott, uh, hopefully you know we covered that all, like in terms of the market sell off. Obviously, a tough place. Bonds are the real story here. Um, the I think Scott, you were just saying. Listen, the other part too is we're we're probably getting pretty close to the pivot point. I, I don't know when, but I think you were saying. You know, we're this we're you know a bit more market sell off like this, and and we're we're going to get to that point. Yeah, and it's it's not just means like the market sells off and it's all orderly. You need something to break, and then the Fed will say, okay, the risk to the overall economy is too high versus inflation. Inflation should come down if you know asset prices are coming down, but the market moves quickly. So when things start to break, they generally break really fast. So I think we will have a period of fear, you know, like in in '09, but it didn't last that long before the the Fed said, "Okay, we we have to help because worse things can happen if we just sit around." Yeah, I got I got you know I had this data point that worth worth. Uh, so on an inflation adjusted monthly mortgage uh, payment, 1989 to 22, um, we're currently sitting at something like 1,750, Scott. That's close to the highest, if not the highest on record, inflation adjusted. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so that's, that's, that tells you the extent that it hits people's wallets. Right. So coming back to Scott's point, uh, when does something break? Well, when there's real pressure uh, in, the consu- in, in, uh, in the personal balance sheets, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot more debt in the economy than there was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So that means there's less room for rates to go up because people just don't have much of a cushion. The government doesn't have much of a cushion. Individuals don't have much of a cushion. No. Yeah. So uh, so wrap up there. So then uh, just in terms of growth equities, I think this is a important uh, a question uh, from, from Twitter yesterday. And, you know, I'll, I'll um, but I think we, we can wrap this in a, in a good conversation here is Growth equities, obviously, uh, for those invested in uh, strategic structural growth, uh, you know, a thematics, if you will, um, it's it's been a tough go, no question, right? Um, we, you know, we were always of the view that this was going to be a double black diamond ski hill. We talked about it last week. You must stay nimble. Um, whatever narratives you were holding on to two years ago. You can't hold on to that like with like, you know, like gospel, right? You have to be able to pivot uh, and move with the market. But that all being said, these things are, you know, the world is changing um, and there these dynamics will remain in terms of these growth markets. But how do you position yourself, right? Um, do you stay invested across the spectrum? Uh, or do you position yourself in particular names uh, that have certain characteristics 
that will weather the storm. And I'm not talking about like what happens in the next year, Scott. I'm, you know, these are we you invested in these trends for five five plus years. Uh, you want to make sure that you're in the vehicle that re- that sees to the other side, right? Yeah. So maybe just to kick things off, I'll I'll give some performance numbers <laughs> on these different high spec growth areas of the market. They've kind of all been grouped. Performance has not been that dispersed, but uh, I'll give you the numbers here. So year to date, if you look at say cannabis, let's break cannabis apart into the big guys, the the medium guys, and then the ones that don't touch the plant. So the big five US guys are down 55%. If you go to the next six in market cap, kind of the mid cap guys, they're down 62. So they're down more. The guys who don't touch the plant, they're usually generally smaller market cap companies than the mid cap guys. They're down 67. If you go to Canada and the big guys in Canada, they're down 66, so kind of in line. And then if you look at other parts of the market, like the SPAC index, all the SPACs that have happened recently, they're down 66. And then software as a service, which is kind of the highest growth, but most speculative part of technology, they're down 56%. So everything's kind of down between 55 and 65%. Yeah, and, and you know the 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 question really is, um, how do you in- insulate yourself here, right? And uh, you know, I, I pointed to that uh, data point right here, where basically you're seeing high quality companies that are that are down uh, quite significantly, right? And so let's even use the cannabis example, right? So your big four, big five, whatever, right? They're down. What did you say? Just over 50%, fifty-five. Fifty-five. Uh, and then your next six are down sixty-two. Sixty-two. Yeah. Okay. So l- let me talk through that. That to me feels like, okay, I've got an opportunity right here to um, – w- this is what I call li- liquidity protection, right? So the most important thing to consider in this market right now is does the company have the financial uh, uh, strength to make it through, right? And so for me, that trade, simply that trade of, listen, everything's been sold off, uh, baby in the bathwater, you know, all of that, you know – Now's the time that you high grade your portfolio. You have the opportunity, right? Where if you still believe strongly in cannabis, um, in, in you know, in any sort of structural growth that's been you know that's been hit uh, in technology and in, in psychedelics, irrespective, across the spectrum, now's your time to high grade because um, because we're entering a period where many of those other companies, while the performance is kind of like you know they're off by ten percent of each other, that will widen dramatically um because if the cost of money keeps going up and and you know there's the downside risk is not gone now no. so it, i mean just to step back a little bit the whole gist of this was it, it, the way the market's set up is the high growth speculative stuff was generally losing money that's how this market cycle has worked and that's fine when you can keep borrowing money because people are willing to fund your growth because they say down the road, you're going to make money, you're going to pay me back. But when interest rates start going up and economic growth is slowing down, people aren't willing to fund you anymore. And so these companies do have a liquidity problem because you know they were losing money. So that means that you eventually will run out of money. So now they're in a period where they have to figure out how to stem the bleeding. They don't have enough cash to make it through unless they make changes in their business. And so that's why Tom's talking about you want a high grade to the guys who have the most cash and were, are either profitable or losing the least and can weather the storm. Because if there is more downside, these guys are used to borrowing, but they can't anymore. So yep. 
technically you used to say, okay, I've run out of money. I'm going to go to the market, borrow some more. But in this type of market, when you run out of money, you go bankrupt. Right. And that, you know, that's the, you know, that's, you know, that's not a, that's a binary situation, Scott. And you don't want a lot of binary in your, in your portfolio. No. So we've been having some questions about cannabis. So I can just talk specifically to, you know, how we think about cannabis. Tom, why don't you talk about the portfolio aspect we were saying, you know, about high grading, how that applies to say an ETF versus individual stocks. Yeah. Like, so, you know, because, um, so the way to think about it too is a lot of these uh, a lot of these growth um, a lot of these growth thematics um, they typically have a large ETF around them right Scott um, they typically would have uh, you know they, they they typically you know obviously cannabis has one and all, you know it, so they typically have this big vehicle that kind of gets the money into the into the overall sector um, but one unique part here in, uh, is that. In a bear market, uh, what ends up happening is if you, you know, if there were to get a redemption wave and potentially, you know, we could start to see one in cannabis, et cetera, what ends up happening is that, uh, you know, typically it's a slice across the whole portfolio. You're going to, or you can try to, you can try to, you know, protect a little bit in the sense you'll start to sell. Uh, the portfolio manager uh, of of the ETF contr- or the uh, of the fund will try to sell off the larger, uh, more liquid names, you know, that would have you know less price impact. But at some point, they can't have a portfolio of all small micro caps that are potentially on the verge of bankruptcy. Right? That's not a good look. So at some point, you kind of have to face the piper and start to sell off those smaller names as well. Um, so this was, so I inherited a portfolio it was a precious metals portfolio that, that Scott, this exactly happened to the previous portfolio manager of that portfolio. There was a bear market in gold. Look, and you know what happened? Redemptions came, Scott. And what, what happened, right? You would end up having to, so the PM would have to sell the larger names and then make the portfolio look. So now the portfolio was a, a terrible portfolio. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, so you uh, yeah you're selling the better stuff you own f- fundamentally and so you're left with the worst stuff exactly and you know why they weren't selling the small stuff because they knew it would have an outsized impact on their own on their own performance because it would be it would go into a market of no uh, of no bid ask yeah so basically what you're saying is is if these ETFs that are big players in the market get redemptions that would put even more pressure on the individual stocks so it may First, put pressure on the big guys, higher yep. quality. Then, but then it will trickle down, and overall, it could have another kind of sell-off-like effect on the whole market. Yeah, well, on on specifically the these smaller names because they don't just they don't just go down in an orderly fashion; they gap down. Yeah, and they don't. There's not much volume in cannabis land, even if you look at the biggest guys. It's it's very small compared to normal stocks on on big exchanges. Yeah, so, so it, these small guys can move quick. With like individuals, someone who has, you know, 100K and can throw it out in one day, you can move the price of these stocks. For sure, right? And so there go, listen, um, A, uh, you don't want to be diversified in a market like this. <laughs> That's contra. You actually want to be in the highest quality names, and that means you may have four or five positions. Simple as that. Um, you know, that's the that's the cleanest positioning right now, flat out. And I, I have some advice on if you're looking at those big ones, what the reality of the market is, is, you know, even these big guys, 
the good thing is their underlying businesses that they own today are profitable. You see some of these guys could have like 30 to 60% EBITDA, which is basically cash flow margins. But the problem is they're growing and they're buying new things that don't make money yet. So that's why it can look worse than it is. But so in this market, unfortunately, these guys, uh, they they don't have any write-offs they can take. So their tax rates are between 60 to over 100% of what their profitability is. And that's just when you can't take the write-offs. They, they pay way too much taxes right now. And that's not going to go away unless something changes in Washington. So on a cash basis, a lot of the big cannabis companies don't actually make money. So what they have to do is they have to cut back on growth. That's really what you want to see. You want to see a good cash balance and then a company that's willing to maybe move into a few less states right now and just focus on harvesting the cash flow they have. Because again, you can't borrow from the market. For the last eight years, the cannabis industry is used to that you can keep borrowing and borrowing and growing that way. We could be in for a period where you can't do that. So you you can't play the same game when the backdrop has changed. For sure. It's, it's uh, y- you know, like y- you have to look, continually reassess the market in terms of, uh, what the market's giving you, um, you know, uh, uh, you, you don't get paid for growth here. Growth well, is a liability because it means you're spending a lot of money. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, uh, and that's okay. Right. Like I, you know, as a, as a growth investor, Scott, I'm, I'm totally fine with a company acknowledging the dynamic has changed their multiple, but it's not really, it's not really pricing them as a growth stock anymore. So you don't have to be a growth stock for a little while. If that no, means- yeah, there's there's not really downside to if you look at cannabis prices, they're so beaten down and the multiples are already low. If you're one of those big CEOs, you don't have to worry about the stock taking a hit because you're not going to grow. It's not that you don't have to make that decision anymore. The market's made it easy for you. You just need to survive until we get that legal change and cannabis reaches its potential that everyone who's been in it thinks it can. Yep. Um. So just just pull back a little bit. Don't it, keep growing. Exactly. And then the other side, too, and this is, again, the advantage of owning the bigger guys, right, uh, which I've seen in commodities um, numerous times, is that uh, bear markets are phenomenal for for, for the cashed-up leaders, right? Um, because, A, they don't actually have to use their cash. Uh, they can use their shares to acquire uh, the rest of the industry. Yeah, and values are probably getting very exciting if you want to move into new states. So that's the one thing these guys are seeing – Oh, I paid a hundred million for a yep. license last year. Now I can get it for forty. Yep. But at the same time, if you don't have a ton of cash, you gotta wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. You, you gotta make it through so you can buy that asset eventually. So yeah, you know, and, and so you know, when we think about technology, look, we just saw the big one for Adobe. Um, and Scott, you like that acquisition? Oh, love it. The so, mar- when the market hates it and I love it, that's a good setup. <laughs> right. And so, so, what, so from so, a numbers so, perspective, Scott, it looks bad. you want to talk bad, about the acquisition? But, what was the acquisition? Just give everyone a little bit of an overview of that. Yes. So Adobe, you know, is if you're a creator in the creative economy, which is becoming a bigger part of the economy with, you know, everyone who has kids who are teens, they probably say they want to be a creator and make stuff on YouTube. They're like the go-to that they have all the tools. But there was an upstart called Figma that does the same thing. And their big claim to fame is that it's all online. So you can collaborate. Say you and a friend down the street want to draw something on your computer. You can both be working at the same time and it keeps track. Adobe before was you had to write something, then send it to your friend. They'd edit it, send it back. 
So this is a lot more efficient. And they were they were uh, gaining a lot of customers. So really, it was on Adobe. They they couldn't really build it themselves. It's just they they have too much infrastructure at this point. So they said, went out and said, "We got to buy Figma." Um, cause you know, they're, they're a tough competitor. So now they basically have gotten rid of their toughest competitor and they have them in, in the fold of Adobe. So it's just made them an even stronger player. Really. They had to pay a lot of money for it, but when you look in the future, a few years, it probably won't look that expensive. And, and that's the other part about this is it's like, you know, the winner take all nature of technology is, is that like, how do they even have all this cash to begin with, Scott? Because their their business was such a juggernaut, right? This is like you know, you know they just had this kind of money lying around. Boom. Yeah, they already had a strong market position and were making lots of money, and so this just makes sure that the status quo continues, which is very good for the company. And so the market has been selling it off because they paid a lot of money, some of it in stock. But for me, it just made sure that they were getting disrupted a bit by Figma. That's all out the window. I think the value of Adobe in the future is a lot higher now. Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting dynamic for a market. And so if I had to really, you know, you step it out, right? Uh, the way we think about it is own the market leaders. Uh, that's, you know, that's the pathway, right? And obviously, uh, you know, there's going to be different ways to think about this. But um, in tech, uh in cannabis, obviously, and psychedelics, uh, I can say on my hands, right? Like the number of companies that are either, um, you know, they have a level of market positioning or they're connected, um, you know, in, you know, psychedelics is a great example, right? You potentially three companies here. Uh, where you have a compass, you have an Atai, and you have a mindset, um, you know, where uh, you're either, you, you know, you either are on standalone or you have a connection to uh, a big pharma name, right? And, and those... And everyone else is kind of, you know, floating around, right? Bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And again, valuation does matter. Uh, valuations are getting a lot better in, you know, cannabis and psychedelics, but still there's certain catalysts that need to happen, um, mainly in cannabis. But if you look at just straight up tech too, these guys, uh, valuations are now down to a point for most of the industry. If you look at software as a service, that it's below the five-year average. So you're not buying them expensive anymore. Granted, if you go to the highest flying ones that have been growing the fastest and people think of them as the best companies, those are still expensive. So there is a risk that their earnings start to slow and sales. And you've seen that when they have any sort of miss in earnings, unfortunately, all your losses come in one day, basically. Like there's a company called MongoDB going along, one of the high flyers, one of the more expensive ones, it was holding in very well. It had a slight miss to guidance and it was down like 40% over the next two days. So it's so difficult because if you're in it, those two days, you've like have your whole loss for the year. So it's one of these things where you want to own these companies because they seem like the best, but there's still a risk if earnings disappoint a bit, you're going to take big losses, even though they've been performing better than the rest of the market. Like a snowflake is almost flat for the year. Um, Sorry. They are not flat for the year, but lately they've been outperforming the market and been very, very strong. But there's still the risk that the earnings disappoint in one quarter to come. And that all goes out the window. Snowflake Snowflake is definitely not flat for the year. No, (laughs) they're not flat for the year. (laughs) I have have my six-month lens on if you back up a bit. No, no, no. Hold on. Let let, let me have to pull this guy up. But it's one of these things where some people might look at this company and say, I think it's a great company. And it's been outperforming for like a good three months now. So is the bottom in. Yeah. The risk is... If they just have like a bad quarter, the bottom's not in. 
No, no, totally. So, so this is a great one, actually. So Snowflake actually is down 49%, but to, to Scott's point, uh, this at its worst, it was down 66%, and now it's down 49%. So it's clawed back. Um, and, know, it, and every day recently, it's been very strong. Like yeah, when the market's down two, it might be flat a lot yeah, of days, it, it which is very, very strong. But it doesn't mean that people, you know, the market's tough. You don't really know what the future is going to bring. So No, no. And, and there, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, in terms of wrapping it up with respect to, to, to the pod and, and, and bringing it all full circle, when you look at it through a valuation lens, um, you know, just to put it into perspective, you know, we have half the multiple of the NASDAQ. We have half the multiple uh, when it comes to price to sales and price to earnings of the NASDAQ. Um, and that has directly translated directly to protection with respect to drawdowns and downside protection. How does that work? Well, it's simple, right? When um, valuations don't matter until they matter, right? And uh, when Scott's what Scott's saying with Snowflake, well, uh, you know, let's use the MongoDB example, but same same for Snowflake. The valuation multiples are so bloody high, you don't even know where to reset the thing, right? That's how the bottom comes up. The bottom the bottom comes out because valuation is an elevator down when it, it's already so stratospheric. Yeah, so valuation is expectation. If valuations are high, it tells you that expectations are high too. Right. And so that's why you can get stocks that can still fall a lot if the company doesn't meet those high expectations. So that's what makes me nervous in this market. We haven't, from these companies, we haven't seen slowing earnings from them. They still have been raising guidance. So you see that the consumer is taking out more and more credit card debt. Mortgages are getting more expensive. That should mean that there's some weakness coming. So if the weakness does show up, there's going to be a reckoning for these stocks because they're not cheap yet. Yes. It just uh, makes, me, makes me a bit nervous. No, for sure. It, it's, um, it, it's, you know, so, you know, we're... If you have a chance, you know, like you know, you you can see how uh, how we're positioned. Um, you know that that's all on on our website. But uh, uh, we're just a heads up. Um, you know, we're gonna continue. Uh, we're you know we're gonna do like more kind of interviews also for the pod. Uh, I think that's a great aspect too, where we're gonna just tap leaders in every respective industry, Scott, and uh, just do one on one pod interviews with that. We we thought that that'd be a good way to, uh, you know, you know. Just expand uh, how we, you know, how, the nature of how we, um, you know, how we do the pod as well. Obviously, you guys hear us talk, and it's always strategy, but also, you know, a good opportunity for us to tap leaders in different industries and, and hear how they're seeing the world as well. Yeah, it's nice to hear from subject matter experts. You know, we we have certain areas that we know really well, but we we talk about a lot of stuff because part of it is we're just following everything for you guys, helping you make sense of it. But bringing on subject matter experts, you get to drill down a little bit more and, and you'll learn something. And, and these are the guys we trust, right? In terms of, um, you know, in terms of ha having a great look, uh, you know, uh, so so we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to, to, to expanding that, you know, um, be it strategic, et cetera, uh, or uh, CEOs, uh, whoever we're gonna we're gonna try to bring them all through um but uh scott that's a wrap man that was a show wow yeah was, we, we covered a lot if you guys as always if you have any questions you could find us on the internets uh twitter is is the main place we hang out so uh throw us some questions there comments and if you enjoyed the pod please give it a like that helps it we got to raise raise it up the list so that everyone knows 
whose portfolio is hurting, they know where to go to get a little bit of that ointment, that aloe. <laughs> that's right. That market aloe. Yeah, listen, you know, we're, we're always just going to give a real talk. And, you know, that's uh, we appreciate uh, appreciate every uh, the support for the pod. If you, you know, all that we ask is that um, A, uh, you, uh, if you haven't already, uh, on iTunes, please give it a thumbs up. Um, and B, if you can, if you can add a comment, that'd be wonderful. And then, um, third, if you are not signed up, do consider our grizzle.com forward slash subscribe. And lastly, our YouTube channel, which we're going to put, uh, we have put a lot of love into. We're going to continue to put much more, uh, that we, Margot has a fantastic series coming out. Uh, the energy fix, uh, we got a big, uh, big episode coming out this week, so please do uh, go to uh, Grizzle. It's Grizzle Media. Uh, that's the that's the channel. Uh, if you're if you're look, looking for the URL, but if you just type Grizzle in YouTube, you will find it. Um, and I'll also put and, and Tom related to the conferences. Where are the conferences? They they stream on YouTube, and it's probably the easiest to stay up because if you follow our channel, you'll get an uh, alert when it goes live and when uh, when the actual date and time is. So that's probably the easiest way to to not miss one of our, our conferences. Exactly. And I'm going to put the links for all that I've just talked about at the bottom uh, in the notes, uh, the show notes here. So you, you guys will see that. Um, and obviously it goes without saying, if you have any ideas, thoughts, requests, um, or just to say hello, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're Scott and I are, um, you know, our DMs are open on Twitter. We're, uh, you know, we're both on LinkedIn, but, you can also just drop a line conventionally to contact at grizzle.com. All right, everyone. All right. Till oh, next well, time. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, last, last bits. Um, if, uh, for Y Charts, if you want to find out more, learn more, YCharts.com is where you go. And then for the Grizzle ETF, it's ETF.grizzle.com. And uh, if you wanted to see all that went down in Future Proof, you just need to go to Future Proof. Uh, Google that up. You'll find that easy. They're everywhere. Take it easy, everyone. Take care, guys.